It is Monday, June 5th, 2017 at one o'clock Eastern time, and this is Admissions Live. I am your host, Adam Castro. On today's live broadcast, I'm joined by Melissa Welch from Rutgers University and Nidhi Browell from The Ohio State University. They are charged with running two of the largest campus visitation programs in the country, so they are ideal guests to talk about developing successful campus visitation programs on your campuses. Admissions Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be a part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using hashtag HigherEdLive. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at HigherEdLive.com or take HigherEdLive with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast in the iTunes store. HigherEdLive is produced by M. Stoner, a digital-first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. Trusted by thousands of higher ed professionals, M. Stoner webinars are jam-packed with timely, strategic, and actionable knowledge. Check out their library of on-demand content from digital storytelling to myth-busting websites. I'll get a link to that tweeted out in just a moment. Admissions Live is also sponsored by NRCCUA, the National Research Center for College and University Admissions. NRCCUA combines direct-to-student outreach with digital marketing with an approach that is 100% backed by data-driven insights and research. Speaking of data and insights, NRCCUA invites you to join them and 400 of your closest friends at the 2017 EduVentures Summit taking place June 7th to 9th in Boston at the amazing Intercontinental Boston Waterfront Hotel. Visit eduventures.com for the full program and for the full program agenda and registration. And it's gonna be a beautiful week, I think later in the week in Boston. So check that out uh, kind of as a last minute thing. Uh, like I mentioned today, I have two amazing guests uh, that are gonna walk us through kind of their campus visitation programs uh, and give us some takeaways that can really help us develop our own programs on our campuses. Uh, again, Melissa Welch, she's the Associate Director of Campus Programs at Rutgers University. And Nitty Browell is the Senior Program Coordinator for Campus Visits at The Ohio State University. And I've, I've learned over the years that I have to say that as part of it. It's not The Rutgers University yet. We'll see. Um, for those of you guys following along, as always, uh, if you have any questions for our guests, please use the hashtag HigherEdLive. Uh, I'll get to those tweets uh, during the episode and try to get those questions out uh, at the appropriate time. Uh, I want to kind of jump right into it because we have a ton to get to today. Uh, but I really want to give you both an opportunity to start uh, by talking a little bit about your background, both kind of personally and professionally, uh, and really how you got into this field. I mean, it's such an interesting field, and you guys are at such uh, interesting institutions uh, that I think some background here would, would really help uh, our listeners. So, Melissa, why don't you kick us off? Okay, sounds great. Thanks, Adam. Uh, so, again, I'm Melissa Welch. Uh, I'm the Associate Director for Campus Programs at Rutgers. Um, I had a rather unique uh, entrance into admissions and the campus visit. Prior to coming to Rutgers in 2002, I actually did corporate event planning for a large corporation, uh, and it happened that a former director of mine basically wanted to hire someone that had large event experience to help run the events at Rutgers that are pretty huge. Uh, so it worked out really well for me. I was in the right place at the right time. I started back in 2002 as an admissions officer uh, and over the last 15 years have watched our program grow, 
I was part of the team that opened up the Rutgers Visitor Center, which uh, we are in now, right here. Uh, our 14,000 square foot uh, building that centralized all of our tours. Um, and today I lead the team of folks here at the Visitor Center that host all of our tours, all of our on-campus programs, open houses, and those types of things. So that's how I got my start. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I, as a proud Rutgers alum myself, I graduated 17 years ago. And we were talking earlier. They didn't have any of that cool stuff when I was an undergrad. So Rutgers has grown and, and their campus visitation program has exploded uh, in recent years, certainly under uh, under your uh, watch as well. Uh, Nitty, can you introduce yourself, please? Absolutely. So again, my name is Nitty Browell. I'm senior program coordinator at The Ohio State University. Um, I've been with our campus visit program for four and a half years now, and it was really sort of a career of opportunity. Um, I was, after graduating from Ohio State, where I was a tour guide in under, as an undergraduate student, um, left to work on a graduate degree, and I was looking for opportunities to move back to Ohio, move back to the Columbus area, um, and my former boss, from when I was a tour guide, called me up and said, "Hey, we have something open here, and why are like, if you're interested, why don't you go ahead and apply?" Uh, and that was kind of how it all started. So since being here, I've started with the tour guide program and have taken over our. We have a volunteer host program as well, as well as managing our visit space. And um, along with my boss, have sort of had my hands in just about everything that we do as a campus visits team. Awesome. Yeah, you're going to be part of my study. One of the studies I'm definitely going to do during my career is the percentage of uh, students that were ambassadors that ultimately ended up working in higher ed and then also ultimately working at the, at the institution in which they graduated from. I just think that number is incredible. But that, that's a fantastic background and, and uh, thank you for being on today. So one of the things that intrigues me most about both of you is just the size and scope of your programs. You know, I work at a I've spent my career at a small private school, 2,000 students. Um, you know, if we break the 1,000 visitor mark per year, it's kind of like we throw a big party. Um, you guys are dealing with much larger numbers, so I'd love for you just to give us kind of a, an overview of that size and scope. And Melissa, why don't we start with you again? Sure, okay, so uh, we are a little unique with our tour program in that the way that Rutgers New Brunswick is set up we actually give bus tours to show our five campuses that make up the Rutgers New Brunswick campus. So we give um, on average about 600 bus tours a year. Uh, we host about 12,000 students all told for our tour guests. We had about 28,000 last year. Uh, within the Rutgers Visitor Center, we also have folks coming to open houses and counselor programs. So all told, we host about 40 to 45,000 visitors on campus. Um, to give you an idea of the team that makes that hosts all of this, um, we're made up of myself. I have um, eight staff members. And then we have a team of about 55 Scarlet Ambassador tour guides that help to give all of these tours. Um, they also staff our front desk, answer our phones here at the Visitor Center as well. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's big. <laughs> <laughs> <Two> visitors. <laughs> yeah. Nidhi, how about you? 
So our overall number is um, right around the same space that Rutgers is. So if we include our um, all of our on-campus events, we're seeing anywhere from 40 to 43,000 guests per year. In terms of the standard tours that we give, we're seeing um, about 36,500. So most of our visitors are coming from just the standard like daily overview and tour that we give. Um, in terms of staffing, so our campus visits team and our events team are separated. So we have three staff members now on campus visits. So my boss, myself, and then um, one, my supervisee. So she is going to be taking over the tour guide program. And then we have two staff members that do all of our on-campus and off-campus recruitment events. Awesome, thank you. So um, one of the things I wanna get to, and I think this will kind of serve as a foundation for the rest of our chat, but maybe talk a little bit about, you know, what you're seeing in terms of trends with campus visitation. You know, we've heard all about the demographic shift uh, for college going students in the country, uh, but I get the feeling that there's probably more emphasis on the campus visit than there ever has been before, even though there's available technology out there and those 360 tours, I still don't think anything is really um, replacing the traditional campus tour. So talk a little bit about, you know, the trends that you're seeing in terms of you know, are the numbers steady? Are the numbers going up in terms of visitation? Uh, and I really want to hear about like the competition because I always talk about kind of this arms race in higher ed and everybody trying to the one-upmanship, particularly when it comes to events and, and how big they have to be and how many Ferris wheels you need and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so what are you seeing there? And, and Nidhi, let's start with you this time. Well, one of my notes that I took for this question was definitely that arms race idea. Uh, and not so much competition between high schools, but between different universities in terms of what they're offering for events. And I don't think we see it on the university side, like we're not calling other institutions being like, oh, what are you doing? Okay, now we have to do better. But we see it when families show up and ask us, well, can you get me a private meeting with this faculty member? Or why aren't you providing meals? This other school provided me meals. And so we're seeing families' expectations increase of what they receive when they come to our campus. And I think that's something that we're constantly battling against because what, um, an institution with maybe only a thousand visitors per year, what they can provide for those a thousand is very different than what we can provide for our 36,000. Um, I also think we are seeing numbers increase staggeringly. In my four and a half years, we've had to create an extra 5,000 seats for visitors just in our spring semester to accommodate de the demand that we're seeing. And a lot of that demand, oddly enough, is coming from juniors, which is not what we would expect in that senior semester um, or that spring semester, excuse me. Um, it's not seniors making their last final decisions. It's a lot of juniors trying to get a head start on the college visit game. Um, so we've had to work really hard and creatively to find more space for all of them. And I think the last trend I'm seeing is a, the lack of funding and scholarships is impacting our guests now. Um, we're having to tell them that they have all these opportunities, even though that we can't provide them scholarship funding. And so how do we help them see the value in the education that they're getting? Yeah, absolutely. And that's hard to do in a, a 60 minute window uh, when you have them on campus tours. And yeah, being at one of those small schools, I mean, we have the ability to bend over backwards for our guests. I mean, we're running essentially, you know, two campus tours a week. You know, we're doing the three traditional open houses over the course of the year. It's so small scale that the entire campus is involved. And if we needed to do a separate meeting with a faculty member or a financial aid administrator, we could certainly do that. But when you're talking about hundreds and hundreds or thousands of guests at an open house, I know that that proves impossible. So the coordination aspect, which we'll get into, you know, is, is certainly of paramount importance. Uh, so Melissa, I mean, any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I, I would really echo what um, Nitty said. We we are faced with a, a lot of the, the same things. Uh, our numbers, because we host uh, bus tours, our numbers have pretty much stayed a, about the same for the last couple of years because we really have that control over how many visitors we have because we only have so many seats on a bus. Um, I definitely think that there's a lot of competition, um, as Nadie said, um, and you said as well, Adam, among the schools uh, in terms of what they're getting at each institution. I think for all of us, you know, on the, the campus visit side, the admission side, uh, our challenge is really how do we take the experiences that students are having at our institutions and translate that across in the campus visit. We all know how important this campus visit is. What makes each of our institutions unique are the experiences our students are having. And I think for a lot of our visitors and a lot of our students applying who are applying to 10, 11, 12, upwards of 15 to 20 schools, they're starting to all run together. You know, they're, they're starting to hear a lot of the same things. So how do we take that experience and translate that so it's not just a tour, it's not just an info session, it's something more experiential. I just read a, it's a great point. I just read a really interesting article and I wish I can cite it, but it really talked about how every part of the evaluation process is now of paramount importance. So everything from the food to the welcome, you know, and I'm still waiting for that first kind of Yelp review of food at an open house uh, so people can start comparing. We do. I mean, I think we kind of go all out, but still sometimes you'll hear, oh, well, X, Y, and Z University had, you know, their culinary students create sushi for everybody. I'm like, okay, well, I can't compete with that right now, but, you know, maybe sometime in the future. Uh, but I think that different, you know, that point of differentiation, that arms race is, is critically important. I think it's going to be even more important kind of going forward. So that's a nice segue into my next question. And Melissa, I'll start with you. Talk, you know, talk us through like the two to three, you know, main points uh, about your program that, that make it unique or make it special, make it successful. Uh, and then how did you make the campus visitation a part of the fabric of the university? Well, I, I think to, to begin with, um, you know, we're all hearing over and over again that, you know, our guests, our prospective students, um, our, fam our prospective families want what they want when they want it. So it's a matter of, uh, you know, catering to the visitor that wants a tour, but also some information about academics to the drive-by family that's coming through on their summer vacation and just wants to come in and get as much information as possible, take the tour as quickly as they can. Um, so one of the things I think that uh, has really made our program work well for us is trying to cater as many tours to the different groups and demographics of students coming. Um, so having tours that are specifically for transfer students. We do have a large transfer population. Uh, over the last couple of years, we've really rolled out a series of transfer tours for them. Um, having tours that are just geared towards admitted students, having that general tour that is timed when families want it, you know, on Fridays and on weekends. Um, so I think that's something that's worked well for us. Um, I would also say that given the, the uniqueness of our tour, because they're on a bus, we somewhat have a captive audience in that they can't 
they can't lag behind while they're on that bus for an hour. Uh, so that's worked well. We really kind of have them right in front of us are able to tell the Rucker's story without kind of losing them to, hey, the, you know, we want to go check out the bookstore right now. You know, we, and that just comes from running a bus tour. Uh, so I think that's made the program successful. I also think, um, and this may be somewhat of a, a segue into when we talk about tour guides, we've done a lot to improve our student development of our tour guides to get you know, the investment that we put into them, you know, to get that out of them and to get their investment into the program. Um, so that has, has certainly, certainly helped. Awesome, thank you. Uh, Nitty, two to three aspects of your program that you're really proud of, uh, and how did you get that kind of uh, as part of your campus community? So my two to three focus more on the tour guide side, um, since that's where I've spent most of my time with Ohio State. I think number one for us, it's the sense of community that students find within our organization. So we're not a student organization, which is different than some institutions. Um, we treat them as if this is a paid professional position. We have high expectations for them. But we make it a point to make sure that they know that they can come to either me or their new supervisor, Aaron, with anything. We're not just a resource for the tour and for the job. We're a resource for them as they navigate college as well. Um, so whether it's social, so on reading day in the fall, we'll do um, kind of like watch a movie in our visit space with them just to take a break from studying to we go ice skating in our ice skating rink with them. So as bosses, we're making time for them. And I think they're also making time for each other. They do a ton of their own socials. Um, they had a bonfire with pumpkin carving last year. They do a lot of stuff on their own. And so I think they realize that this is a place for them to make lasting friendships and relationships. And that makes it more meaningful to them. So it's not just I'm showing up for a tour, but I'm showing up to spend time with people I enjoy being around. We've also, um, our selections and our training. We Something that we say internally is we hire hard, which may mean that our acceptance rate of tour guides is pretty low for our application rate. but we know that every single person we hire is going to make a great tour guide. And when we do the training, we make sure that they become a great tour guide. So there's never this idea of once you get through training, you may not make it and we're gonna ask you to leave the program. No, we'll spend the time with you um, to be a fantastic tour guide and, and make sure that that happens for you. Um, I think from the beginning, we've been a part of the campus fabric. The history of our program, we actually started in the president's office, and then in the mid-90s is when it moved to the admissions office. So the president at that time saw that it was something important, um, and so I think that has kind of like stayed true with us, is that the entire campus sees us as an important resource. So we haven't really had to fight against that too much. That's an interesting point you made about hard hiring. So I wanted to ask you as kind of a follow-up to that, you know, are you keeping your student ambassadors or tour guides for multiple years? I mean, for the, on the most part, I mean, are you bringing them in in a certain, at the sophomore level, and then the expectation is they stay to senior, or is it kind of a mixed bag? We're bringing them in um, at different points. Everyone has to have been on campus for at least one semester before we'll hire them. So sometimes we have first year students applying, sometimes we'll have someone who's only gonna be here for one year before they graduate. But in terms of how long they stay on board, we are asking them to stay on board until they graduate. Now, there's always a couple students who realize that this great co-op opportunity exists or internship and they can't meet the demands anymore. And so we have a few students leave every now and then, but for the most part, their students are staying from the time that they are hired to the time they graduate. 
Yeah, I think that's got to be the consistency part's got to be huge, particularly for kind of the inter-training that goes on from peer to peer within an ambassador program where the seniors obviously are looked at as, you know, kind of the the captains or, or the leaders in that group and, and, and trying to train the young people in because there's only so much we can do on the administrative side. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, so I think that's important. Uh, Nidhi, I want to stay with you and talk a little bit about challenges. So in your day-to-day -day role, what are the biggest challenges that you face in terms of your campus visitation program at The Ohio State University? I'll be honest, one of the biggest ones we've had since I came on board was adjusting to a semester calendar. When I was a student here, we were on quarters, and it seemed that the quarter timeline fit perfectly with the admission cycle and with the calendar of when prospective students were going through their different phases. And now on semesters, it's kind of been turned upside down. Um, we see our highest demand for visits in the summer, and that's when we are the lowest staffed in terms of tour guides, because all of our tour guides are leaving to go and take advantage of internships and study abroad programs that they don't want to do during the fall and spring. And so we are still trying to come up with creative ways to meet those challenges and adjust to this new academic calendar, even though we've been on it for four years now. I would say that's our biggest day-to-day -day challenge. Absolutely. No, I, I think we all feel your pain. I saw Melissa nodding in the, in the background. Uh, Melissa, biggest challenges at Rutgers? You know, um, I, I definitely echo the same thing. Um, you know, we're faced with the same thing, busy tours um, and, you know, lack of students in the summer. Um, I would say that for us, looking at the campus visit as a whole, one of the challenges that I would say I've encountered very much over the last couple of years, and particularly the last year, is they're not necessarily, at least for us, being um, any rhyme or reason as to how our visitors are coming, uh, to be totally honest. You know, we've followed that pattern in the past of, you know, um, you know, all of our admits are coming at the beginning of the spring, and then they're dropping off, and we're shifting to juniors that are, and we had admitted students coming and taking their first look at us very late in the cycle. Um, you know, I think that's a change that you've got more and more parents saying, we're not going and visiting until we find out if you've gotten in and how much money you got. Um, and so it's been a little hard to gauge how and when visitors want to come. Um, so we've, we've you know, tried to, to master our schedule to be the best that it could for them, but you inevitably will get folks that we're coming at a time that we say, well, what, where are all these people coming from uh, this week? Um, so that's been a challenge. I think, too, um, finding that perfect spot, that sweet spot of do the visitors, do the prospective families want more information or do they want less information? Um, and I think, you know, I hear this echoed by so many people that plan on-campus programs and tours when is it too much? Inevitably, if you scale it back, someone will say, but well, we wanted to find out about the you know, physics program today, and we didn't get that information. Um, and if you uh, give too much information for the, visit, for the family that really just wants to come and get a taste, you might have gone overboard. So trying to find that sweet spot there is definitely one of the challenges for us. Well, I think one of the things you said earlier was really important. That's the idea if you have a very large program that you have to segment the student population as much as possible. I mean, you can't do everything, but 
if you segment the audience and you can at least have a, a consistent message just for that group that makes sense for everybody there, that can go a long way for sure. Our biggest challenge, you know, with a relatively small program is the best times for us to offer campus visitation are the times that nobody is interested in visiting. <laughs> so we have an open period, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays in the middle of the day, but no one, no one's coming from two to three on a, on a Tuesdays and Thursdays. They want to come earlier or they want to come after school. Um, so, you know, I think that's a huge challenge, and particularly when you can only offer so many tours and so many uh, chances to visit, uh, it's hard to juggle that around. But so I think we have some background now, which is good. Uh, I think we know a little bit about your programs uh, and we can kind of dive into this idea of building a campus visitation program. So Melissa, I want to start with you. And, you know, if I am just starting out at a school and, and I think a lot of our viewers will um, are thinking about revamping their program or obviously making tweaks over the summer, you know, where do I start with this? I mean, if I wanted to build a successful Canvas visitation program from the ground up, you know, what are the building blocks that I need to start with? Well, I think you have to take the campus visit and really begin to think of it outside of just the framework of just the tour. The campus visit um, and that experience begins as soon as a student or a parent goes to register for your tour or visits your website and wants to find out how can I make a visit to your university or your college. Um, so I think starting to embrace the campus visit as there's pre-tour, you know, which is where do I live on your website? Can I easily be found? Or is the information easy to access? Uh, what types of tours and visits you're going to offer as part of that when you're going to offer those um, is the first step of the campus visit. Uh, and then obviously the visit when they're there on campus, um, how are they welcomed? Is it easy to find, um, you know, the, the crux of what that, you know, your tour looks like, what your presentation or your information session prior to the tour looks like. And then the post visit, which keeps the campus visit going for you. You've had these people on campus, you've had this student and their family on campus. How do you keep them engaged? How do you follow up from that tour uh, and um, keep them engaged in your university or college? Um, so I think breaking it down into those components and thinking outside of just that tour piece is a great building block. Um, obviously, tour guides are a critical piece to that. Um, but since Nidhi is the expert in tour guides, I will defer to her to talk about the critical importance of your tour guides. I don't even need to host anymore. You're, you're teeing it up for me. That's fantastic. Thank you. Before, before we turn it over to Nidhi, I did, I did want to make one point because you're kind of in my wheelhouse when you're talking about kind of campus tour metrics in the post-campus visit. Uh, one of the big things that I'm looking at is really trying to develop you know, metrics as it relates to how should a student act after they visit? You know, how should they convert to applicant? You know, of the applicants, how many of these visitors are meeting our admission criteria? And then ultimately, obviously, how many of these students are enrolling, you know, with that campus visit being one of the primary reasons. So I think everybody on their campuses needs to have someone in the background that's taking all that data and really coming up with some goals. Uh, and how you improve kind of yielding a student through the different funnels uh, as, as using the, the, the campus visit as kind of the pinnacle event uh, before they get into the application stage. Uh, so now let's turn it over to Nitty. Let's talk about tour guides. I think that, it, that is a great segue. Absolutely. So I think with tour guides, the first thing is um, 
figuring out your staffing and your funding. There's a lot of institutions that um, the supervisor for their tour guide is also kind of a recruiter who travels and has a territory that they have to manage. Uh, we are fortunate enough at Ohio State to have not been in that position from the beginning when admissions took over the tour program. And honestly, I can't imagine how I listen to these other staff members and my colleagues across the country, and I'm just in awe of how much they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, I would have been able to pull all of that off if I had uh, my own territory that I had to recruit for as well. So if you're getting to start from scratch, finding a way to make a case to not have that be the piece. Um, make sure that you have a supervisor who can be on site on your campus on a regular basis that isn't involved in doing other recruitment pieces for your office. And I think starting with high expectations. Um, while I know there's sometimes that we want to make sure that our students aren't, aren't um, be, things aren't being expected that are out of their wheelhouse, but the reality is that they are adults and they can handle a lot more than we throw at them. So making sure you start with high expectations and then training them to meet those expectations and for them to be successful, but also letting them know that it's a safe environment to make a mistake. And if they're going to make one, that you're there to, to teach them from that. Um, that's going to make them stronger over time and then make your program stronger, especially if you're having that consistency, like as we had mentioned before, if you have older tour guides around for multiple years, they're going to be teaching those same values to the new ones that come in. Um, and I think that's really what makes a strong program is letting them know that you know there are high expectations for the value for what they're doing for our institution and that what they're doing is respected and incredibly valued at our institution um, because this is a huge role we know here we have the data to back up that if you come on a visit we know that you are gonna yield at a higher percentage that you're gonna enroll once admitted at a higher percentage we know these things and it's the students that's making that happen it's those tour guides that are making all of that happen so I strongly agree with what you said about, you know, having that individual on campus. And I know a lot of schools, in mine included, really can't have that, you know, and, and do it that way. But if you have the means to do it, I think that's a tremendous indication of support from administration when they say, you know, we're going to have someone dedicated to campus visitation. They're going to be on site all the time. And this is what they're going to do, uh, because I think that just shows the next level type of thinking in terms of we know that how important this is. Uh, and you need to be 100% focused on it to make it go. So I think, you know, obviously both your institutions have, have gotten that. Uh, and and there, But there are probably some larger institutions with monster campus visitation programs that don't have that and that have someone that's on the road half the year recruiting and then coming back and trying to manage a group of 20, 30, 40 uh, student ambassadors uh, kind of remotely, uh, which, which should definitely prove to be difficult. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about how you guys and your offices interact with admissions, more specifically uh, recruiters. You know, how do you share information uh, and how often do you interact? And Melissa, why don't we start with you? Okay, so uh, we are actually part of the Office of Undergraduate Admission. Uh, our, we're part of the recruitment team, so we actually work very closely with um, our colleagues on the domestic recruitment and the international recruitment side. Um, as well as our colleagues outside of uh, recruitment that manage all of our marketing and communications as well as all of our application um, review process. Uh, we are essentially the, the staff here that does campus programs at the visitor center. We are all admissions counselors um, in the sense that we review applications. Um, my 
staff here um, do have local recruitment markets, so I don't lose them for too much time <laughs> um, since it's local, but they do um, have a hand in the recruitment uh, of our incoming students. Uh, so, you know, we obviously work really closely. We kind of look at ourselves as everyone else goes out and brings the students in. They meet them at the high school fairs, they meet them at the college fairs, and then they get them to come to campus and we take them from there. So, um, you know, we pass along a lot of information to them about our on-campus programs. We also listen to what their needs are. So, if there is a, you know, a demographic, a strategic goal on the um, recruitment end of things, we are supporting that goal. We're developing programs, um, events, special tours, uh, VIP visits that support the goals of our recruiters that are out on the ground around the country, around the state, and around the globe. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's obviously it's critically important, and, and it, it's much easier for you being that you're so intertwined uh, with the recruitment efforts and obviously the and being a part of the Office of Admission. Uh, Nitty, anything to add to that and how you guys are uh, set up? Our setup is very similar. We are also part of the Office of Admissions. Um, all of our territory managers or recruiters are the ones doing our overview presentations. So we work closely on the message that's being shared. We want to make sure that we are only reiterating the key points um, between the overview and the tour. So if it's something that our student tour guides can talk about, we want to make sure that it's not being addressed in the overview so we're not overlapping too much information. But um, everything else that Melissa mentioned is exactly how we're functioned as well, minus the local territories. Um, none of our campus visit staff have any territories. Great. So we've talked a lot about students already. Uh, so I wanted to get a sense from you guys about, you know, how do you find these exceptional students that are going to, you know, be these wonderful, wonderful ambassadors for your university that are going to stick around for two to three, three and a half years as ambassadors. They're going to show up to work on time. Uh, they're going to be smiling. They have the ability to walk backwards or drive a bus or whatever they need to be doing. Um, so how do you find those people and what are the characteristics that you're looking for on the way in? And let's start uh, again with Unity. So for us, um, we have a three-step selection process. It's an application and then a group interview and an individual interview. I think in terms of what we're looking for, the biggest thing I hit home with the students that are helping me make all these selections is that we want to look for things that we can't train on. Um, you know, we can train someone how to tell a story. We can train somebody uh, how to walk backwards or what buildings they're supposed to show off. But I can't train them with them. I can't train them on how to make a true connection with another individual, with a complete stranger. I can't train them on certain voice inflection pieces. Um, and honestly, Often, I don't want to fight against training someone who already thinks they know everything. I want to bring in students who realize that they have a lot more to learn. Because if they're coming in thinking they know how to do everything, they're not going to be successful in our training process because our process is based on a lot of instant feedback from other current tour guides. And so if that's going to be a problem for them, then we're going to struggle through this a lot. Um, I'm also looking for experiences. So have you gotten involved on campus? Do you have student organizations you can talk about? Do you have um, a story you can tell about a study abroad or a friend's study abroad experience? And so all of our interview questions are designed to push them into a place where they're either telling us about their experiences or 
realizing that they need to be telling us about stories. And if they don't have them and they can't tell them to us, then they're probably not going to be selected. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really in depth. And I love the idea of storytelling because I think that's that's how you take a large campus tour and then you break it down to like the individual level. You only, sometimes you only have one opportunity at that. I love the thing you said about uh, look for things that you can't train on. I think I'm going to go on Etsy and have someone build me that so I can put it in my office. Like, I think that's true for every hire, not just student ambassadors. I think that that, that rings very true. We're very well said. Uh, Melissa, anything you want to add to that? Uh, I, our process is very similar. Um, it's almost, I mean, I would say it's almost identical. Um, looking for the same types of things. We do not require them to um, drive a bus, though, however, Adam, just clarifying. In case. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty much looking for the, the same types of things. Um, you know, definitely a, a group that represents the, the differences of all of our students trying to, you know, find students that will connect with the whole variety of students that are coming on tours so that it's, you know, not everyone has to be a cheerleader, um, you know, really having a diverse um, set of students in terms of, you know, just their personalities and the way that they can connect with our visitors. Uh, but our process is almost identical. Yeah, I think that's right. I think one of the biggest challenges every school has is finding a, a campus ambassador group that is indicative of the campus community and how it's broken up in terms of demographics. And, you know, one of the things that we've had in the past uh, is we've had adult ambassadors. You know, we have a pretty significant adult population. So, you know, when you have someone visiting, uh, you know, that's in a, of an adult age, they want, some, they want to be able to talk to somebody that's an adult also and about their experience. This is a lot of times they're a lot different you know, than the 19-year-old that's living in our residence hall. Uh, so I think that's incredibly important. I think you have to kind of, and it's difficult, but you really have to have that mirror, the type of uh, campus uh, diversity that you have. Uh, and it has to be indicative of that. So completely agree on that front. So I want to go back to Nitty again, because you are the student, you know, ambassador trainer. So you've, you get them in, you find this amazing group. Uh, how do you onboard them? How do you train them? Uh, to get them prepared for the job, and then how do you kind of keep them updated in, into you know how they need to evolve over the years that they're going to be an ambassador? Absolutely. So with training, we start off with about 26 to 28 hours of what we call intensive training. It's broken up over a couple of days, but it's a mix of us lecturing, it's them going out on tour, practice tours with current tour guides, and just different activities that help them learn about the different areas of campus they need to talk about, the different areas of campus they're visiting, but also activities that help them figure out how to tell a good story um, for the purpose of a tour. And then they jump into a certification process. So ours is seven to eight steps, depending on how long it takes you. And this is where they're getting feedback the entire time. So the first two times they're just shadowing a current tour with actual families. Um, the next two times they're giving half of the tour with a veteran ambassador taking notes and then at the end they're getting that feedback from the veteran ambassador and then they're going into full tours um, with the same thing they're getting constant feedback so this time they're in front of families there's no like if you make a mistake let me stop you in the middle it's the tour is yours go forward but we're going to give you feedback to make sure that you're fixing all of the things that aren't going well but doing the things that are going well continuing to do those all the time on every given tour 
once they pass certification and they're on their own, um, this is where we struggle a little bit because of our staffing models. We just don't have enough professional staff to kind of evaluate all of our tour guides every year, although we used to, um, and that was something that we thought was very beneficial. So right now we have weekly staff meetings throughout the year where we're touching base with every single one of our ambassadors. So any updates, any changes, we can deliver all of that. If any of our ambassadors have been gone for more than a couple of months, say they're on a study abroad, when they come back, they do have to shadow a couple of tours before they're allowed to give their own again. And then we do a script quiz every single year. So we do have a script for our program and it's updated every summer. So in the fall, every single one of our ambassadors has to pass the script, script quiz um, or they get, we have an accountability system with strikes. And so if they don't pass it in the two weeks that we give them, then they're gonna get a strike for that. So evaluations on an annual basis, but right now we're, we're maintaining everything through kind of our weekly meetings with them. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I do want to get to evaluation. So I think I, I definitely want to turn to Melissa uh, and talk about, you know, are you guys doing anything formal in terms of evaluating your ambassadors and, and how do you kind of get them through uh, coaching them up if they do need some help? So we, we encounter a lot of the same challenges that um, NITI does at the Ohio State. Uh, lack of staffing to get through the volume of tours that we need to evaluate um, but we do the same thing we try our our best to evaluate as many of them as we can uh, my this my staff member that supervises our tour guides does a really great job of following up with them giving the you know the feedback that she has um, heard or if she evaluates or another one of our staff is able to evaluate the students um, one of the things along the lines of evaluating them that I think has really helped our program over the last year was um, as part of the team of the, the Scarlet Ambassador Tour Guide team, she actually has one of her committees is professional development and training. And so she's empowered a few of the ambassadors to see where the weak spots are with the team and bring in speakers or trainers to address that. So, for instance, one of the things they did this year was bring in an improv group, uh, which um, we've heard a lot about teaching this generation how to improv, how to think quick on their feet, because it doesn't come naturally to them. Um, and so, you know, we heard that from the students and they facilitated bringing that in. So I think some of the evaluation is done, it can be or can be done internally among these groups as well, you know, empowering them to say, hey, what do you need to do your job better? That's really interesting. Oh, they had to be freaked out when they heard that they were going to have to do an improv class. Uh, but that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, they don't know what questions are going to come out of their, the, the guest's mouths or they have to be kind of ready for everything. Um, yeah, so I, that, that's, that's fantastic feedback. And, and so we, we've talked a little bit about this already so far, but I think it's a really important point. And it's this idea of taking these massive programs and then making them more intimate for kind of the end user, for the guest. Um, you know, you said, you know, we segment student populations by whatever kind of bucket they fall into, whether an accepted student, whether they're interested in, you know, engineering, or and we try to break those up as much as possible. But are, are there any type of tricks of the trade uh, that you can give student ambassadors to try to keep that tour, even if it's, 20, 30 people to one tour guide, keep it engaged throughout the process. One of the things I'm fascinated with right now is text messaging. You know, we've seen 
uh, a huge uptick in our ability to communicate with prospective students that are opting into text messaging with us. Um, so I've been like, my finger's been over the button of when students are on tour, I, I want to shoot a text to them and ask them how they're liking it. And I think that's a little bit big brotherish, and it might be a little bit too much. But I mean, that may be the direction that we're going. So do you guys have any thoughts about kind of those unique ways that we can engage uh, students while they're on campus? Uh, Melissa, anything? Um, so, I, I, Adam, I feel the same way. I, I feel as though we are hearing this over and over, and we're not there yet either. That you know, I, but you know, they've got their devices in their hands. Either we're going to embrace that and figure out a way to uh, incorporate it into these campus visits. You know, I'm with you. I'm, I kind of feel like that's very big brother, uh, but. Everything that I'm hearing and everything that I'm reading and the research that's being done is, yeah, figure out a way to incorporate this into your visit. Um, so, you know, I would agree with you that we have to start thinking about those things. I know our tour guides kind of on their own have really embraced the concept of uh, getting the guests to, you know, hey, take out your phones now. Let's take a picture of all of us together. Um, it tends to happen a lot with our graduating seniors when they're doing some of their last tours and then they're hashtagging it to our website um, but there's a you know creating that sense of community among your group when you know for us it's 50 people on a bus how can you make that little connection with them and for the prospective students that's their comfort level they want to take out their phones they want to hashtag something they want a picture of that cool spot on campus and themselves there so um, i think that's one way that you can make a connection and it's the way that's comfortable to them. Absolutely. So Nitty, do you have any like secret, you know, document of, of tips that you give your uh, ambassadors or any tricks of the trade that you guys do? We're in the same boat as Melissa. Coming up with ways to incorporate the digital experience while they're physically here on our campus is something that we're working on and um, trying to really learn what other people are doing, whether it's other tour programs or even outside of the campus tour, but like you know, tours of and uh, different kind of iconic places across the country. Are there things that those institutions are doing um, that we could apply to the campus tour? I think for us, it's a lot of the tour guide, training the tour guides on like how to break the silence with their group. So if they're not asking questions, they've, um, you know, ask them things about just kind of historical facts about the institution to get them to learn more about the university, but also make sure that they're answering your questions or getting them involved by saying how like raise your hands and how many of you have ever wanted to do research so kind of asking questions before just jumping into a topic um i think the other piece is just giving allowing for one-on-one -on -one time so we have a bathroom break in the middle of our tour and our tour guides are expected to kind of walk up to the families that are just sitting around and not using the restroom and saying like hey is there anything i haven't talked about yet that you're curious to learn about or you know what do you think so far and just getting them more open to talking to the current students instead of shying away from it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, want, I was talking to a colleague years ago and, and and his point was if the family, if different families are talking to each other on the tour, that means the tour guide is doing a good job because they're both listening to what is being said, but then they're discussing it amongst kind of themselves. Uh, so I think dead silence is probably not the best <laughs> thing uh, to have happen. So yeah, engaging, you know, and, and certainly breaking those silences is going to be of huge importance. So 
uh, let's pretend our bosses aren't listening right now, uh, and let's talk about you know take budget out of it. But you know what would you want to have, uh, and what would you implement you know in your campus visitation program you know if you didn't have the restrictions of actually having to pay for things. Uh, so Nidhi, why don't we start with you? So my first thing would be a visitor center. It's been something that my boss and I have been talking about since I came on board. Um, Ohio State doesn't have one. We think we need one to meet more demand um, and to just do a better job of serving our customer, which is our prospective high school students. So that is our number one thing that we want. If we can get leadership on board and we can get the funding for it, we are going full speed ahead with a new brand new visitor center because right now we just use a room in our student union and that's it. Um, I'd love a larger professional staff team. I think there's so much more we could do if we had someone that was constantly running the numbers and doing a an data analysis on how our campus visits are meeting our recruitment goals. Um, more that we could do on social media, more that we could do in a private visit program. But you've got to have the staff hours to pull all of that off and we just don't have that right now. Perfect. Well, we have Melissa who can tell you exactly how to get a visitor center. So you guys can definitely, you know, connect after after this episode. Uh, Melissa, how about you guys? You know, take budget out of it. What are the grand plans? Well, I, it's kind of funny, but I would say we need a bigger vis visitor center now. Um, you know, I think, you know, and I can speak for, you know, large programs or really probably any tour program, any campus visit program, you know, um, we, we outgrow ourselves pretty quickly um, in terms of outgrowing our, our current space. Um, we would definitely upgrade our space with, you know, my dream would be to have holograms a la the Harry Potter ride at Universal. I mean, this is thinking big. Um, but I definitely, you know, I echo what Nitty said in terms of staffing. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I you know speak for probably almost all of us out there that, you know, having some more professional staff, um, being able to have staff to evaluate our tours, uh, to continuously guide our students, provide great service, um, you know, is, is definitely something in addition to the giant addition to the visitor center. <laughs> yeah, they get bigger. I mean, why are they at work? So I think this is a really interesting question, and I want to talk about how you guys are evaluated because. You know, you have these really interesting positions. You, you know, oversee these enormous programs, and um, there's so much data behind it. So, uh, and most of all, I'll stay with you. You know, how how do you sit down with your supervisor, whatever it is, yearly, quarterly, and how is your job evaluated at Rutgers? Sure. Well, you know, I think for in terms of the campus visit, there's two ends of it, um, and you know, there's definitely the the quantifiable data that um, supports the things that we do. Um, we all know that the campus visit is a key component and you know, probably you know, the most important piece for students making their decision as to whether or not they come to our schools. Uh, so showing what programs have worked, um, you know, being able to show that you know, half of the students that come to one of our programs end up ultimately enrolling are great numbers to show. Um, I think that what's more difficult um, you know, while we track all of that and we track our visitors and we track our tours, I think what's more difficult is to track the, you know, the um, qual you know, you've got the quantity and you've got the quality. You know, the qualitative end of things is a little more difficult. Um, you know, are visitors having a good experience? I know, and my staff knows, uh, 
you know, not everyone that comes for a visit is, you know, Rutgers is necessarily the right place for them. Um, but if our visitors who ultimately don't choose Rutgers still have a great experience and tell their friends, you know, you should check out Rutgers, you should go on a tour, it was a great day, it just might not be right for my son or daughter, um, that's the end of it that's really hard to always explain, um, you know, and to see, hey, people are leaving happy. Um, you know, a lot of that we do pull from our surveys. Uh, when we were talking about pre, uh, during, and post, we do a survey, an online survey, and we give those numbers, uh, but, you know, some of that you can't necessarily put onto paper. Um, you know, it's just a feeling that people have, and if people are leaving smiling, well, then you've done something good. Absolutely. Nitty, how about you? How, how are you looked at and evaluated each year? I think it's the same way that Melissa said, as a campus visit program, it's um, mostly through the surveys, it's through how many people are showing up. I think our leadership is under the impression that things are going well, and so like as long as there's no major complaints, then we must be doing a good job because we're getting in more visitors every year, and we're getting more applications every year, so something we're doing something right. Personally, um, from a professional standpoint, and how we do performance evaluations is um, determined by our HR department. So right now for us, that's just kind of a self-review. We set goals at the beginning of every fiscal year, and then you have a mid-year meeting with your supervisor and an end-of-the-year meeting with your supervisor to see how you've done on achieving those goals. I think the hardest part for us in the campus visits world is that your goals can change at the drop of a hat. Um, so at the beginning of the fiscal year, you're like, okay, we're going to this and this and create this new private visit program and then all of a sudden something happens and you realize you didn't get enough applications for your ambassador program and now that's the fire you need to put out and you don't have time to work on those goals. Luckily I have a supervisor who gets that who has spent her entire career in the campus visits world so she understands the nature of campus visits but that's really all we do right now from a professional standpoint. I love that. Sometimes it's as simple as that, right? Campus visits are up, applications are up, everybody's happy. Nobody has any questions. Uh, no, that's fantastic. So this hour has completely flown by. Uh, so I certainly want to give uh, both of you the opportunity with some some last thoughts. And I want you to kind of frame it in the way of, you know, where is this going from here? Where is the campus visitation program? We've talked a lot about students. We've talked a lot about competition, uh, larger visitor centers. You know, how do we engage students in the tour? But, you know, if you could kind of look out five years, even 10 years from now, I mean, where do you see uh, this field going and, and how do you how do you stay on top of it? Uh, and how do you do all that in about a minute? Because that's all the time we have left. And Melissa, why don't we start with you? Okay, sure. Um, so I think I'll just sum it up in two quick thoughts. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, the experience. I think for all of us, our tours, our visits, you know, they, they can look a lot the same. Our, our colleges are, we all have a lot of the same things. How can we help students and families make a good choice by giving them an experience, immersing them in an experience when they're on campus for a visit that gives them, really can translate into this is what you will feel like as a student here. Uh, and along those lines, you know, when we talk about how to um, engage the digital devices and the phones and um, in the visit, how we also put some of the humanity back into our, our visits um, so that we don't go too far to the digital end, but that we still understand that human, how important that human interaction is for our guests. Well said, absolutely. Nitty, final thoughts? 
my notes were exactly what Melissa had said. So, um, you know, making that experience more personalized and finding a way to incorporate that digital experience um, without overdoing it. So, it must be that Big Ten thing. Every, you know, <laughs> dealing with the same type of students, dealing with the same issues, the size. I get it. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here today. We can go on and on. We can do a whole another episode on, you know, the actual experience themselves and, and getting them immersed into a, an intimate experience while they're on campus and, and feeling what it's like to be a student. But we don't have time for that today. You guys dropped some serious knowledge and I, and I really uh, do appreciate it. And I wish you guys the best uh, this summer. I know it'll be crazy for you, uh, but you know, your programs are in great hands uh, knowing that you guys are running them. So thank you so much for being on. Uh, and thank you as always to M Stoner, uh, one of our sponsors, You Make Us Go. Uh, a big thank you goes out to our program sponsor, NRCCUA. Check out the NU Ventures website uh, for more information about the upcoming conference and all of the resources and tools uh, that they offer to colleges and universities. Guys, have a great summer. Thanks again for coming on, and we'll talk soon.